When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. You can't go abroad, you can't go to the shops, you can't even go to Wales for heaven's sake, you can't go for dinner next door, you can't go out for lunch, but wait! What's that I see on the horizon? Is it some kind of cloud or is it something else? Apparently you can go to the pub, but you'll have to sit outside and you have to prove that you've had a vaccine or you won't be able to get a drink. Well, that's all right then, isn't it? Yesterday, Boris Johnson let slip that pub landlords could insist on a vaccine passport before letting anyone into their establishment and that the idea should not be, in his words, totally alien to us. Well, I'm sorry, Boris, but it's totally alien to me. Yes, that's right. The Prime Minister, formerly known as a libertarian conservative, has rubber-stamped the most draconian measure yet when things finally start easing next month. Makes you wonder why so many people disagreed with me yesterday when I said that Boris had lost the plot and should be replaced. This morning, we're joined by Nigel Farage, who will give us his verdict uh, on many things. Pretty Patel's latest announcement designed to stop illegal migrants from coming to these shores. I'm sure he may have something to say about the great British pub as well. 0344 499 1000. We're also joined by Andrew Allison from the Freedom Association, who is spitting feathers about what, what this Conservative government is doing to our rights. And Helen Dale is here too, with her take on the EU vaccine nationalism row and when exactly it was that Europe's leaders became quite so useless 0344 499 1000 and Donna Harvey's here as well with all the latest news from America including yet another job for the Herbert formerly known as Prince this time he's going to be rooting out fake news I know, hilarious, isn't it? Perhaps you could start uh, with the lies that you told on that uh, Oprah Winfrey interview. Comedian Ria Lena will also tell us why 32 is now the official age at which you can declare yourself to be a grown-up. Plus, it's the very first of our Thursday clubs with award-winning wine expert Helena Nicklin, who's bringing us some drinking ideas for the new spring season. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest-growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Well, I tell you what, if you didn't have a sense of humour, you'd be literally crawling around on the floor, weeping tears of absolute and utter misery. Because here we are living in a country where you can come here illegally, but it's illegal to leave. Just think about that for a minute. Let's talk to Nigel Farage. Nigel, very good morning to you. Good morning. <laughs> I mean, it really is quite remarkable that you and I are standing uh, in separate areas, not able to see each other, not able to be in the same building together. Uh, as I said, it's it's uh, perfectly legal to arrive here illegally, but it's completely illegal to leave legally. Yeah, um, it's a £5,000 fine if you leave the country. If you go to Calais to load up your boot with wine and you haven't gone for a proper business reason, you can be fined 5,000 quid. France also, of course, I think about to be put on one of the red list countries. 
Um, but you know what? It's a nice morning this morning. You want to pop in a dinghy? You'll need a good jumper because it's still quite chilly out at sea. Uh, but you can come here and you'll be welcomed with open arms. You'll have a nice four-star hotel waiting for you. But Pretty Patel gave a stern statement to the House of Commons yesterday that all of that apparently is going to change because those that now come here illegally will not be given permanent leave to remain. But they'll still be allowed to stay unless, of course, she says, we can increase the speed of deportations. Now, this is the key to whether you believe that Pretty Patel's statement yesterday makes any difference at all. We have no agreement in place with France or the European Union for returns whatsoever. And my guess is they would simply refuse. And the other part of all of this, you know, we hear Boris talking about lefty lawyers and how they're going to stop uh, these last minute court cases preventing deportations, even deportations of serious criminals that we've seen over the course of the last year. But no, no, Patel's going to get tough. Do you know what she didn't mention, Mike? Once in her speech, and which all but I think two commentators in this morning's press have completely misunderstood, ignored, or don't understand, and it's this. And this gets to the heart of it. We may have Brexit, but we are still signatories to the European Court of Human Rights. We're still signatories to the European Convention on, Home, on Human Rights. And all the while we are, that law is superior to our own law. And so it's literally gonna be impossible to start deportations on any serious scale. And Pretty Patel didn't even mention that fact once in the House of Commons yesterday. Right. But it's okay. It's okay, because we're gonna get tough. So all the backbenchers cheer. The newspaper editorial say, isn't it wonderful? And conservative voters can rest easy in their beds. And we see this again and again and again. Ever since she became Home Secretary back in the summer of 2019, it's almost as if the rhetoric of her statements rises in direct proportion to the number of those illegally living in the United <laughs> Kingdom. Well, it seems extraordinary, doesn't it? Because um, it's almost impossible as well to see where they would be deported to. There was this rather ridiculous idea that came out last week that Gibraltar might be a spot uh, or possibly the Isle of Man. I mean, it was just you like stick a pin on a map and go, why don't we send them there? Well, the Isle of Man, of course, we did use um, in wartime uh, for, you know, foreign aliens were put on the Isle of Man. And the Isle of Man does have room. Gibraltar. Have you been to Gibraltar? I have. It's I mean, very it's small. Of, it's one of the most... <laughs> It's one of the most overpopulated places you could ever go to. Yeah. They're clinging, 35,000 people clinging onto a rock and they keep having to sort of reclaim bits of sea. Right. Uh, to, to build, yeah, the whole thing, the whole idea is nonsense. And as you say, you should, you should, you know, under the Geneva Convention, going back to 1951, you should be able to send people back to the safe country from which they've come, all right? Mm. But we don't, I mean, at the moment, the French are simply going to refuse. And the idea you can send them back to Iraq or Pakistan, well, if they destroyed their travel documents, which in many cases they do, where are you going to send them to? Right. And the only way, the only way this can be solved is to do what Tony Abbott did when he was the Australian Prime Minister. And you literally, you literally take those boats under tow and you take them back to Dunkirk or Calais or from wherever they've come. And if the French don't like it, tough.
Exactly right. Because at the moment, it would appear that this um, bill, which will be introduced in the autumn, changes nothing. And in fact, if anything, it makes it more easy for people to come here legally, doesn't it? Well, what it does, it says that we will allow people to come here as refugees if they apply somewhere else, as opposed to coming illegally. And just in the last couple of weeks, there is an agreement we're going to take 20,000 from Syria. Now, look, you know, we do have a tradition as a country of being, you know, welcoming to genuine refugees. And there are examples, of course, you know, from the Ugandan Asians, from whom Patel's own family were a part, uh, through to uh, Jewish uh, groups that came from Europe in the 30s, from Russia, uh, perhaps a little bit longer ago than that, even back to the Huguenots, you know, going back 300 mm. years. So we do have examples of groups that came as genuine refugees, fleeing in fear of their lives, who became great successes in our country. Uh, but the problem is, even if you said, let's take 20,000 people from Syria, how do you know that amongst that number, there are not people who this time last year were fighting for ISIS mm. against us. So there is a security element to this that I think is slightly different, which we've seen before. And Mike, I want to just add this point. There is a much bigger, broader debate of which illegal immigration is actually only a part. Mm. The Conservatives adopted my mantra of taking back control of our borders and putting in place an Australian-style point system, right? They took that on board and people voted for this in a referendum and they voted, you know, in 2019 for a big Conservative majority with the Conservatives promising not just control of our borders, but fewer people overall coming into the United Kingdom. The truth of it is uh, that if you look at the new points-based system that we've got, which is now available to the whole world, my guess is once coronavirus is over, the numbers coming legally will be even higher than they ever were before. And then we have the really big debate that nobody wants to talk about. It's all too awkward. It's all too difficult, but it's Hong Kong. Mm. Now, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the Chinese Communist Party, as you well know. Um, it's horrific to see the way in which democracy and people's rights are being destroyed in Hong Kong. Uh, but equally, the British government have opened up the door. Do you know, in the first six weeks, 27,000 people from Hong Kong have applied to come. The government's own estimate is that number is going to be 300,000 over the course of the next few years, but it could be 3 million. And there's been no debate in, in, in Parliament, in the country at all, about the rights and wrongs of opening the door to Hong Kong. Mm. And I'm not saying we should turn our backs on people, some of whom genuinely are being oppressed by the Chinese Communist Party. But, but I think we're on the verge of an immigration explosion in terms of numbers, and we're not having that conversation. No. And, of course, the only conversation we are having is the government telling us that we are camping down and we are making sure that this will stop uh, when clearly that is not what they're in, in, in any way able to do. Because the other worry that I've got about some of the people coming illegally is that if they are being trafficked by these horrible criminals, they're basically entering a criminal underworld. And when they come here, they will end up paying well. their way <laughs> back to those people by working as criminals. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that Pretty did do yesterday was to say that no longer would people who come illegally still get £38 a week spending money. Because mm. at the moment they do. Yeah. At the moment they do. You know, 50,000 of them arrived illegally, uh, many of whom have their asylum claims rejected, but uh, you know, put up for free 
in many cases yeah. in these hotels and still get 38 quid a week for fags or whatever else it may be. So she said the 38 quid a week would stop. But here's the point. The point is that actually what will happen to those people is they will get sucked into the criminal underworld, the slave economy that we know exists already in this country. Yeah, and it's a shocking thing. I know you haven't got a lot of time, Nigel, but I've got to ask you about this pubs business because in the front pages oh. of all the papers today, vaccine passports to go to the pub. I mean, you and I have met in many pubs. Uh, I know that uh, you're a great aficionado, as I am, of the pub. We can't wait for them to open on April the 12th. How mad is this, though? Well, how unenforceable is it, too? So what happens if I go to the pub with my son, but he's, because he's only 30, has not yet been vaccinated yeah. do we have to show our dates of birth our birth <laughs> certificates our passport I mean, no but i'm being serious i know or or you know if, if it was my 50th birthday last week and i haven't been vaccinated does that mean i can't come in and i mean what does this do to struggling landlords who've been through hell over the course of the last year what does this mean for our fundamental freedoms as people i, I mean this is a sort of dystopian nightmare yeah of being stopped in the street and asked to show your papers. It's the kind of thing we as a country never, ever thought we'd do. Uh, and it's amazing. Now, Boris Johnson, who they say is this libertarian conservative, and yet he, Hancock, Gove, and all the others uh, almost want to put in, in place you know, this big brother state. I, I think it's absolutely horrendous. It really you know, is. I tell you what, I, I mean, if my grandmother was in a care home, I think I might well want all the staff to be vaccinated. You know, and I, and I think I'd be justified mm. in doing that. Uh, but there are limits to this. And I mean, Boris, I'm really surprised at you. I well, really am. I know. Well, I called yesterday, Nigel, for Boris's uh, head, basically because he's lost the plot. I watched him doing that briefing the other day and he looked like a man uh, who was broken. You know, and I have great sympathy for his personal situation. I have great sympathy for the pressure that he is under. And I think he did a great job getting us out of Europe. And that's all fine. But I think we need somebody now who's looking to get us out of this, not to keep us in it. Because let's face it, we had well, a, a Julie Hartley Brewer this morning had a, a, a somebody on from the pub's industry who said, forget about the people coming into the pub. Most of the people working in the pub won't be vaccinated. So how is that going to work? Well, yeah, yeah, because they're too young. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, look, the whole thing, the whole thing is unworkable. Um, and I think they're going to have to they're going to have to drop this pretty damn quickly. But, you know, in a crisis, you need leaders who go back to their first basic principles. And you do worry a little bit with Boris that, you know, we know he's a great after dinner speaker. I've sat and listened to him. You know, everyone's had a couple of drinks. He's hugely amusing, uh, which is no doubt why he said that greed was one of the, yes. one of the ways in which we, <laughs> we, we were dealing with the vaccine. You know, great at the rugby club to say that. Maybe not so great to the 1922 committee. Mm. We know he's a good writer. We know he's very entertaining. What we don't know is what he really believes in. And I think over the course of the last year, to some extent, that's been exposed. Yeah, I think it absolutely has. Nigel, great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Nigel Farage there, uh, former leader, of course, of the Reform Party. Now, uh, a man who does a great many things, but including that, uh, is a great expert on what goes on uh, on our borders because he's seen it for his own, uh, with his own eyes. He's seen it for himself. He's written more uh, probably about it than anybody. He's brought it to everybody's attention more than anybody else. And so he knows what he's talking about when he says that what Pretty Patel 
proposed yesterday is literally not worth the paper that it hasn't been written on yet, which is going to be a bill introduced into Parliament in the autumn. It won't make any difference. It won't make a single jot of difference to the numbers of people who can be deported. It will not make a single jot of difference to the appeals processes because of the uh, European Court of Human Rights. And it certainly won't make a jot of difference to the people coming over illegally on boats across the channel every single day. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Andrew Allison from the Freedom Association, who I think it's probably right to say is spitting feathers about all of this. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, thank you for uh, for joining us, Andrew. I mean, so much uh, of our rights have been sort of uh, made to disappear over time, over the past year or so. Uh, we were all hopeful um, that with this roadmap that they would be coming back to us slowly but surely. But here we are uh, almost in April and none of them have come back. Yeah, I mean, last uh, December, Matt Hancock was saying with the vaccine rollout, it's going to be brilliant. And in all fairness, it has been brilliant. Yeah. No, one can, no one can complain about that. Uh, this was going to be the silver bullet. This was this was the light at the end of the tunnel. I think, as I said to you about a month ago, when, when you last interviewed me, it appears that the tunnel is just getting longer. Um, over half of the adult population in the UK has now received the first dose of the of a vaccine, mm. probably the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. I got mine last Friday. Yeah, that means by the beginning of June, more than half of the population are going to be fully vaccinated. Yeah, uh, what with COVID. two vaccines? Yeah. Yeah, with two vaccines. Mm. And we, we read that report from the beginning of the week from, from the United States, 79% uh, efficacy of protecting people against symptoms, but 100% efficacy for protecting people against serious illness, hospitalizations, death. I mean, this is great news, isn't it? So why the hell are the government still wanting to, to keep these coronavirus restrictions in place? Well, this is it. And I mean, I heard somebody this morning saying and justifying it, I think, uh, from the government's perspective by saying, oh, well, of course, what, we want, what they want to be able to do uh, is, is, is act quickly if something changes. Well, if something changes, they could always make emergency legislation. That's why it's called emergency legislation. You know, they can change it at a moment's notice, regardless of whether there's a, a, um, a pandemic going on, regardless of whether they, we've seen they can work uh, from Zoom calls. They don't have to all be in the house in order to do it. You know, and it just seems to me that it would signal a great deal of uh, optimism to people if they actually said, you know what, we've decided not to extend them. We don't think they're going to be necessary. Well, most of the powers that they've got now, and I'm just sort of reading this as well, I'm looking to, to one side, is from the um, the uh, Public Health Control of Disease Act of 1984, and right. that was a, a amended in 2008 in the Health and Social Care Act. They've got a lot of these powers anyway, and I bet people don't realise just how much powers that the government really does have anyway mm. at its disposal. I mean, the Coronavirus Act has covered various things, such as uh, such as school closures, even postponing the, the elections to the General Synod of the Church of England, yeah. which I found, found rather amusing. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, the government has gold-plated uh, 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 powers that it, it already had. Uh, but, you know, surely now is the time to get rid of these powers. We need to get our freedoms mm. back. We need to have a summer that's uh, that's worth living rather than one where we think, well, the government could just close things down again or it could close schools down again. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if it's extended for another six months, Mike, it, it's it, there's a potential there. The beginning of September, the government says, oh, coughs and sneezes and different respiratory illnesses are on the rise again. So what are we going to do? Yeah. Oh, we're going to close the schools down. Well, exactly right, because the idea of bringing masks in to be worn at all times in schools uh, was meant to be up to Easter and then it would be reviewed. But I would guarantee you, Andrew, right now that the schools will say, oh, yes, it's working terribly well. Uh, let's just keep going with it. Well, I'm not sure whether the schools would say that, Mike, but I bet the government says that. 
Uh, and no, I the schools love it. Good. No, I mean, you talk to anybody who's in the school system, any teacher, most of them are quite happy to keep it going because they believe the uh, rhetoric that's come out of Westminster and they believe the sage scientists that they are keeping themselves safer by wearing masks. And I think it's absolutely outrageous. Well, I think it's outrageous. Uh, and I'm surprised so many teachers think like that. I mean, obviously, teachers in primary schools don't think like that because the children don't wear them. Although I did come across a case a few weeks ago, I think it was a Roman Catholic primary school, which was going to insist the children as young as seven, as young as seven, wear masks all day. I mean, that's that's child cruelty. Isn't well, I it? believe so, but I mean, so many parents are also allowing it to happen and allowing it to be to be imposed upon their children without even putting up any kind of fight and just kind of nodding their heads and going, "All right, you know, down where I am, the, the parents go and wait outside the school gates with masks on in the open air." for their kids to come out with masks on in the open air. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, we've got to do that. Mike, 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 seriously, that is the recommendation from my child's school. My, my son is four years old, and I dropped him off at school at 8.30 this morning, and I was wearing a mask because mm. they want us all to wear a mask in the open air. I think it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. But just about everybody complies. If you don't wear one, people start looking at you. Mm. You just think, you go for the quiet life, don't you? I don't. Sorry. No, it's not my way. Um, but let's talk about the pubs. <laughs> it's not my way normally, Mike. I can tell you. It's not well, maybe, my maybe way. more people well, should... Maybe my school at school. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, more people should be standing up against it. I really think so. What about the uh, the pubs uh, business today? Front pages, vaccine passport go to the pub. You know, pubs could ask for jab passports. I can't imagine there'll be many people that would want to do this. However, there are people I'm seeing on social media saying, yes, I would like to go to a COVID-safe environment and I would be more than happy to give my money to an operation that was asking people for proof that they've been vaccinated before they enter. Well, I don't want to rehearse some of the arguments that have already been made on this radio station this morning, because I think it is completely unworkable. I completely agree with guests that Julie has had on mm. and, and what Nigel Farage has just said. But also the Pubs have been closed for months and months. You know, my neck of the woods, they haven't been open since the 4th of November. Right. They've hemorrhaged a lot of cash. You're, you're already expecting pubs to, to increase the numbers of staff who are going to do all the table service mm. stuff. Well, I mean, they just can't afford even to, to employ more members of staff to try and administer a scheme that is that is completely unworkable. Well, they'd also, they'd have to employ all the staff, but they'd have to all be over 65, wouldn't they, if they had wanted to uh, be yeah. vaccinated well, twice? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's true, because the, the majority of the staff are going to be under the age of 50 years old, and, and, and they're not going to have received a COVID jab. And, and Nigel's absolutely right in what he said. What about his son? Well, he mentioned his son who was 30, but what about me if I bring uh, my 21-year-old stepson to a pub? Yeah. I mean, is, is he going to be refused entry because he hasn't had the jab? Well, it's nonsense, isn't it? Say, well, it is nonsense, because he can legitimately say, well, I've never been offered the jab. Right. The government say, I can't have the jab. You know, I'm well down in the queue. So it, it, it is a total nonsense. Mm. And again, it's not about wanting to go for a pint. You know, there are people on uh, social media who are always banging on about, well, Mike, Mike Graham cares about going to the pub. No, what I care about is a very important part of the business economy of this country, which generates billions and billions of pounds for the exchequer and for individuals and also employs millions of people. And that is why we want it back. Not because I'm thirsty and I need a drink. I can get a drink. Thanks very much indeed. I've got plenty of wine at home. Uh, there's plenty of beer in the supermarkets. It's not about that. It's about putting the money back into the, the country's business of course it is that's that, that, that's exactly right i mean it's all right for those people who are sitting at home maybe furloughed for a year uh, they've got 80 percent, maybe even 100 percent of their wages those people mainly in the public sector are just having a great time of it you know working from home it's it's absolutely fine for them but they've got to realize that those people who are not working in the hospitality industry many of them are going to lose their jobs 
Many of them may lose their homes. You know, this is this is going to be a disaster for them. And you really have to think about those people in the hospitality sector and get the get the thing opened up again. Absolutely right. I mean, I was quite surprised yesterday um, to see the Lib Dems, Sir Ed Davey of all people, finally making an actual decision and finally coming down on some kind of commonsensical ground. You know, a year ago he was elected leader of the Lib Dems and he said he didn't know what his policies would be because he had to ask everybody else in the country. He's now decided that he thinks the lockdown should be eased. We asked him to come on the show today and talk about it. He said he was too busy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm sure he, I'm sure he was. I, I mean, we all know that the, the, the Liberal Democrats, they're, they're neither Liberal nor Democratic, really. No, not really. Uh, we, we, we Fortunately, Fortunately a... there's not very many of them. <laughs> yeah, well, there are, no, that is true. That's true as well. But, you know, oh, I mean, come on. I mean, if Sir Ed Davey has now found something liberal in, in his bones and his water or whatever, then great. You know, but uh, but I don't think he'll ever come on on this particular radio station because you've given too much of a hard time. Well, he came he came into the tent of common sense once. I don't think he left with uh, anything other than a flea in his ear. But Andrew, listen, thank you very much indeed, Andrew Allison there from the Freedom Association. Uh, very concerned about tonight's vote because tonight's vote, of course, could well mean that the government extend their rights to completely and utterly lock down the economy, make sure that we don't go anywhere, that we can't go anywhere, uh, and that they can keep fining us for doing anything that they don't want us to do, all the way through until the end of September and possibly into October. That's got to be crazy, hasn't it? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Donna Harvey's going to join us from San Diego in the next hour. We've got Helen Dale coming up. You know what she's going to do. She's going to talk to us about the EU's vaccination madness and how they got there and how on earth uh, they're going to get out of it because uh, it's looking like it's going from bad to worse. But before we do all that, uh, let's take a little slide road out of the serious nature of life and talk about something which is a little more, uh, shall we say, down to earth. And that is, how grown up are you? Are you grown up at all? Have you ever grown up? I'm often accused of never growing up. Apparently, officially now, you are grown up when you're about 32. We're going to talk to Ria Lina, who's a comedian about that, because she may find that completely and utterly ridiculous. Ria, very good morning to you. 
Good morning. It so, is a good morning. I, and I'm so grown up, I got up for this. That's how grown up I am. <laughs> well, the fact I that you get out of bed for this. Well done. I'm very happy to see that. But to be honest, now that we're all in a lockdown, some people don't get out of bed at all. They just got to do everything from bed, basically. But also, here's the exactly. thing. The, the fact that you had to make an appointment to get up at this time shows me that you're not grown up at all. You sound like my no. teenage son, who, who's taken to, at the weekends, um, and fun, funnily enough, before uh, it started to get light, he was, he was getting up in the dark, like sort of 4 p.m. Getting up at 4 p.m.? Yeah. Oh, I see. Getting up at that end of the... I, th- I heard yeah, 4 a.m. Getting no. up at 4 p.m. Oh, no, right, still, like no, a he was, no, he was No, he was up at 4 a.m. probably, but uh, but he was basically living his life in reverse because he wasn't going to school, uh, he wasn't going to college, and he was just kind of, you know, awake at night and asleep during the day. Well, you know what? That's He sounds like he could make the perfect comedian as long as he's funny because that's kind of the life <laughs> we lead. We don't start work till 7, 8 o'clock at night. Right. And then, you know, the adrenaline keeps us up till 3 or 4. You have to play a few video games or something, but, yeah. you know... And then, you, and then you inhabit a world with other people who aren't grown up either, right? Oh, entirely. It's it's funny actually. The 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 overlap, the Venn diagram between comedians and students is is quite big in terms of what we'll do for free food. Uh huh. I mean, I used to do a radio show overnight, which went from one p.m. one a.m. until six a.m. And so I would live my life completely in reverse. I'd go home at seven in the morning uh, and have a, a glass of red wine and a bowl of pasta. It's quite weird. In the morning, yeah. okay, or, or not? I, I not red wine on your cereal, but red wine next to. No, no, no. That's I wouldn't. Okay. No, I wouldn't have cereal because I'd have cereal when I was going to work at sort of one o'clock in the morning. But according to this uh, study that I'm looking at here in the mirror, ten top, top ten signs of adulthood. So I'm going to ask you see, to see whether or not you you qualify. One, you pay all your bills on time. Uh, do you know what? Someone showed me how to set up direct debit once, and that does it for me. So does that count? <laughs> I think if so. your bank pays it for you. I think so. Yeah. Staying calm okay. in an emergency. No, I don't. I don't go near emergencies. Right, That's, good idea. I can't. I can't handle that. I can't. It really. It really gets my anxiety going. Of course so it I does. I don't do them. Number yeah. three. Know which day the bins and the recycling go out. Uh, no. I, you know what? Okay. Everyone in the, everyone listening is going to hate me. I live in central London, mm. so they come three times a day. So we just chuck it. We literally chuck just it out leave the front it outside door. The door. Yeah, exactly. And at some point it disappears. Either it's, and I don't know. I still don't know if it is a garbage truck that picks it up yeah. or whether just, you know, a homeless person goes, ooh, dinner. yeah. I have no some pe- idea. Because some people who live in the country, right, if you miss the, 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 the two weeks, uh, the, the, the wrong two weeks when they collect the recycling, you have to put it back in the shed for two weeks and then it's next month they come. Uh, number that four. No, know when your car MOT is due. Don't have a car. Excellent. Wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. You know what? I'd probably be that person that buys it right when the MOT, MOT is about <laughs> to expire because I wouldn't. Right. Well, here's you've already covered this one. Five. Appreciate the benefits of an early night. Presumably not. No. No. Well, no this, why? Is not, this is not looking good for you, Ria, by the way. Those are um, good hours. Those are good TV watching hours. Exactly right. Number six. Can cook a full Sunday lunch. I can cook a full Sunday lunch. Okay. Do I? No. But if you I can. I prefer to go to a pub and let the pub cook the full Sunday lunch. All right. But you're doing. Like a proper millennial. Yes. Three out of six, though. Number seven. Okay. Never forget to pay off your credit card bill. Mm, no. See, credit cards are there for racking up, aren't they? That's the whole they point. Are. If yeah. I could afford to pay my credit card bill every month, then I would just pay it off my account instead of use the credit card in the first place. No, here's a good one. Top up your pension every month. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, if that's only, funny. right? Oh, that's funny. No, I think that comes out once a year when I do my taxes, doesn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's NI uh, or probably. something. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, no. but, so you don't have the your government own pension. is my pension. Okay. No, okay. I'm a comedian. We right. don't do that. We haven't had a job in a year. Okay, number nine. Can talk to a plumber or electrician without panicking. If they're cute. Yes, well, I'm glad to hear that that's oh, still... Do you able... mean about plumbing? About plumbing and about electric, Or just well, generally as a conversation? It could, it could be about anything, I suppose. I mean, usually plumbers and electricians like to talk about things other than that. Don't well, they? yeah, I can have a human conversation with them. Right. I mean, if they come round and there's an issue, I go leaky, leaky, thingy, thingy, right. and they, 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 they go do and fix the it. thing. And then yeah. charge you about £2,000. I mean, I find it very Again, interesting. Again, it comes out the bank account. I have no idea. Or it goes on the credit card. I always right? find it interesting that plumbers and electricians talk to men very differently to the way they talk to women. They talk to men as if we know what they're doing, right? Which, of course, in my okay. case, I have no idea. Same with, uh, when you take the car in to get it fixed. They tell you much more if you're a man because they assume you know how the car works, which, of course, I don't. Um, number 10, regularly booked to see the dentist and hygienist. Being an American, if you are an American, if I'm not insulting a Canadian, I assume you do No, that I'm British. Anyway. I was born here. Oh, I was you? actually, I was born here. Yes. Uh, and then, and then, you know, like an army child moved around a lot. Oh, okay. So well, you must have back. bad teeth then, presumably. Uh, no, but like I said, I avoid emergencies. So these <laughs> have never been, these have never been hit. They've okay. never been in an accident. So. Okay. So I reckon you've got about five out of 10. So that means you're only half grown up. It's probably that okay. means I'm 16. Isn't yeah. that, didn't you say they're adults at 32? So that means 32. I'm still 16. I can live with that. I think so. Because also, I mean, I've never believed in that idea that you'll get to a certain age and then you have to do things. I, know, I knew a guy once who got to be 29 and he decided, I'm 29 now, I better get married. And I was going, why? He said, well, you have to be married by the time you're 30. And sure enough, he, he, he met a woman, got married. And are they still together, though? I don't, I don't know. I, I lost touch with him on account that he was an idiot. So I, didn't, I stopped talking <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah, he probably had a whole life plan, which included a midlife crisis at yeah. 44, where well, he needed it. to then and divorce get, you know, his wife and get a younger woman. Yeah, so. buy a Porsche 911 and all that, you know. But but I'm, I think growing up is overrated, to be honest. I mean, I'm often accused of having never grown up. I'm quite childish. I'm a lot older than you are. Um, and I don't think I'll ever grow up. I, I think that I mean the whole article was interesting, wasn't it? Because it was it was a, a survey by um, a building supplier called Southern Sheeting, right. and so a lot of the bits in there was all DIY. Do right. you know how to bleed a radiator? No. You don't, if you don't know how, then you're not a grown up. And exactly. I went, I think that's a lot more to being grown up than knowing how to bleed mm. a radiator, especially now that we're living in a time where we're all renting instead of having our own homes. We don't right. have to. There's a landlord for that, but that doesn't mean we're not grown up. But I mean, on the other hand, nobody's allowed to come into your house now to bleed your radiator. So I suppose you either know how to do it or you just don't have any heat, heat in the house. Or you go to Argos and you buy a little blow heater that you plug in at the wall. Good idea. You see? That, that's, there that's... are workarounds. See, see, that is an adult workaround that I think is perfectly legit that we don't accept. Like, who's defining what grown-up is these right. days? Yeah, I think that's right. And there's certainly no doubt that there are people in this world who are, you've already described millennials, but the millennials are getting older now and they're still mm. uh, not grown up and they still can't really do much for themselves and all they do is worry about everything. And I think that is probably about being grown up, but worrying about things to me um, is ridiculous when you can't change the things that you worry about. I think millennials in a lot of ways are more grown up than, than the generation above because they worry about everything. They don't drink as much. They're not having as much sex. You know, they're getting married later. They're not having as many children. I mean, it, there's so sounds, many ways that you would go 
that sounds like my grandparents and yet they're in their twenties and that's how they're living their life. So I, I think it's just, I think it's just that generational thing. You know how you rebel against your parents. So if your parents were hippies in the sixties and seventies, then you're going to be quite stayed and down to earth. Mm. And then your children are going to rebel against you by being like your, by being like your parents. That's true. So I think that this idea of what is grown up and what isn't grown up um, is going to flip flop for another few generations. Yes, uh, I think I think you're absolutely right. So, Ria, when are you think when are you hoping to be back in the business of comedianness? Uh, well, very soon. We're starting to book outdoor gigs in May and socially distanced stuff in May. And then, of course, everybody's aiming for that June 21st, mm. where we're all going to be able to pack in next to each other because we've all been vaccinated and, and just, you know, share whatever other diseases are out there. I mean, do you know how long it's been since we've shared other diseases? I know. It's, this is it, it. We're looking forward to that. I mean, you know? I was just... saying this just the other day. I mean, the idea that you can't go on holiday and pick up some horrible bug. Um, is ridiculous. I mean, of course, that's what you do. It's one of the reasons you go on holiday. You go on holiday with your children. <laughs> you know, you put them in a swimming pool with 2,000 other people and a wave pool somewhere in Mallorca. What do you think is going to happen to them, you know? <laughs> I know. Well, actually, you know, and, and I remember going on holiday in Asia and coming back with some rotten food poisoning. But boy, did I look fabulous by the end of that. I bet. That's uh, one of the great yeah. ways of losing weight, isn't it? It it certainly was. I came back with a bikini body, even if I didn't go yeah. out there with one. My daughter, so. my daughter went to India and ate a samosa on a train. I said to her, I wouldn't eat a samosa on a train in this country, never mind in India. She was not well for about two months. That sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Doesn't like a it sequel just? to something? Yeah. Samosas on a train. <laughs> I'll see you later. Thank you very much <laughs> indeed. Ria Lina, comedian. She's back in business in June, hopefully. Uh, so go and see her. Very funny. Uh, are you grown up? You should be. If you listen to talk radio, I think that's one of the signs. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on talk radio. Well, let's talk to Greg Mulholland, who's director of the campaign for pubs, because yesterday uh, in a meeting uh, at a committee in Parliament, Boris Johnson kind of let slip. I'm not sure uh, always whether he let slip things by accident or on purpose, that there may well be a situation for vaccine passports in pubs, but not one that would be mandated by the government, possibly one mandated by the landlords. Let's find out from Greg what he makes of it. Hi, Greg. Hi, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Um, as I say, I'm not entirely sure that Boris Johnson lets things slip um, by accident because he always seems to know what he's doing. But um, but this, to an awful lot of people, is is what we were told wouldn't happen and certainly would be unpalatable for a lot of people. That's right, Mike. I mean, it's quite extraordinary, really. You know, obviously, it's great that so many people have been vaccinated. I got my own first vaccination on Thursday. That's right. been a real success story. But the point of that, we were told, was to get back to normal life, to start living our lives normally again. And that, of course, includes visiting those important hubs in our community. And licensees have been absolutely dismayed by this. There's already huge pressure on them to make a decision, first of all, as to whether they can open outdoors viably. For many, that's a, a real risk and a real challenge. Yes. Um, Many can't open until May or even June because of the imposition of, of table service, which is another evidence-free um, policy, I have to add. And yet now we have another announcement, yet another burden potentially on licensees and asking them also to put themselves into a situation where perhaps if they got it wrong, um, it would have huge legal implications. Mm. But the practicality of it makes it an absurdity. You know, you're talking about people who... Um, have to be sitting at a table. That's the, the, the government rules. We don't agree with that, but those are the government imposition till, uh, till you know, June at the earliest. And so 
a member of staff and often you know a young member of staff has to then say can i get your drinks um order please yes. but by the way before i do i've got to take your um your, your you've got to take all your vaccination passport details right. or do, or are they asking to have someone on the door when pubs are already having to have extra staff for the table service i'm afraid it's not been thought through no. it's unfair and it's a nonsense. And the thing that, um, that worries me most about the way that it came out of Boris Johnson's mouth was that his, he, he sort of said, this should not be something that is alien to us. Well, I'm sorry. I think it is something that should be alien to us because I don't think this is what we want in any way, shape or form. And as one of your colleagues in the business, I don't think it was from your organisation, but said to Julie Hartley Brewer this morning, an awful lot and the large bulk of people who work in hospitality tend to be younger, most of whom will not have had a vaccine by the time April rolls around. And so what on earth would you be doing by asking people who haven't had a vaccine to ensure that people who were sitting there had had Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm 50, so I got my vaccination. But, you know, would I be ID'd? Because I might look as if I could be 48 or 49. Yeah. I'd like to think so. But right. then, I, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed in because I haven't been able to have the vaccine. You know, there are many people under the age of 50 who rightly support and celebrate our pubs. They're ready to support them. Right. But I think what's really disappointing, Mike, is that publicans showed last year when pubs were able to open again, Pubs and publicans showed how much they were prepared to support this hugely important national effort to tackle this awful pandemic with social distancing, with one way systems, with screens, um, with telling their customers to, you know, that they that they had to behave in a slightly different way. Mm. Uh, and indeed, of course, operating test and trace before the government got their own act together to do it themselves. Right. And yet now we have another half baked announcement saying, well, if publicans want to do this, we'll put the responsibility onto them we'll put the legal risk onto them mm. and we'll put that that moral decision making as to whether you should allow a 40 year old who is a regular to have a drink in your pub or not i'm right. afraid it's, it's not acceptable and we will be sending a very strong message that if the government wants to do something like, like this it needs to do it itself but it must not put yet mm. more pressure onto publicans who faced the most anxious and awful time over the last 12 months. No, of course. I mean, do you fear as well that this manoeuvre, if it was to happen, would be um, a reason for them to say, oh, well, look, the infection rate's gone up because obviously you're not doing it right, so we'll shut you all down again? It's perfectly possible. Um, you know, anything's possible, and anything is possible in terms of the last-minute decision-making mm. that we've seen and the pubs have, have suffered from. But it's just really unfair. You know, publicans are working really hard now on outdoor areas, outdoor shelters, taking on extra members of staff, putting back in place those social distancing measures, those extra screens and things that they spent um, collectively, you know, several million pounds mm. on last year. And yet out of the blue, we get an announcement to a parliamentary committee that actually publicans might also now be forced to discriminate with their own customers on the basis of a vaccination that many of them will not have been able to even have. And, it, you know, it's rather ironic that the news has also come out today that the the supply of vaccines means that people under 50 will not get it as soon as we'd all hoped. Right. And yet the government is seriously suggesting this kind of approach. It, it, it really is 
there's huge anger, Mike. I yes. can tell you in this. No, room. I bet oh. there is, and, I, and I'm with you guys because you know I, I know an awful lot of people in the hospitality business, restaurant owners, pub owners, and stuff, and and you know they've been through, as you say, the mill uh, over the past year, and it's been really difficult for them. Many of them have shut down, never to reopen, of course, and, and many of them will not survive this. But the other thing that I find extraordinary is all the ridiculous rules that you've had to put up with. You know, who who can forget the 10 p.m. curfew, which uh, even later on the government admitted was a completely arbitrary thing. You know, the rule of six, which they also agreed was a completely arbitrary thing. Uh, the idea that, uh, uh, you know, you had to do test and trace, you had to have people getting QR codes before they could walk into a building and then admitting actually that didn't really work at all because hardly anybody really did it properly. You know, the whole thing's been a fiasco and you guys have been at the at the bottom end of it. That's right. And yet the, the, the evidence shows that when pubs did open again last year, um, it didn't create uh, an issue. So, as I say, publicans are very happy to, have been very determined in playing their part. You'll have been to pubs, you'll have seen that for yourself. Yeah. Um, so it, it just it's just unfair to make an off-the-cuff comment. Whether or not this will turn into a policy, we'll have to see. But mm. we certainly are fearful that it now will. And we would urge people to do that. We, we are absolutely committed that everyone must do all they can to overcome this pandemic so we get back to normal life. We should be celebrating the number of people who've been vaccinated uh, and call for, you know, even more people to put themselves forward. Mm. But to start imposing on licensees who have faced the most awful time with loss of income, many are in tens of thousands of pounds of debt and desperate to get trading again. And here's something else that will put mm. yet more costs, yet more burden and yet more anxiety on them. It's, uh, it's not acceptable. No. We need to tell the government. Again. And what's your understanding, Greg, of what the rules will be when April the 12th rolls around? You know, will it be uh, substantial meals again? Will it be uh, only drink if you're having something to eat? Will people who are sitting outside be able to come inside to use the bathrooms and the toilets? I mean, how is that all going to work? Well, thankfully, there is no substantial meal. There's no repeat of the preposterous Scotch egg game. Yeah, which, which was another ridiculous idea, year. wasn't it? I, absolutely, as if somehow a virus would pay attention to whether or not you are um, eating e eating or, or not. Right. Um, so the, the, the rules are that it has to be table service. It has to be table service when pubs open outdoors. Um, and that, of course, is a challenge for, for pubs because it means, particularly where pubs have been encouraged and allowed to expand into neighbouring uh, spaces like car parks mm. where they're being given permission, then a member of staff will have to go out and take orders. So, um, you know, one thing I think people have slightly missed picking up on is that you don't actually need to book. There are many pubs saying, please do book, um, and are already saying mm. that they have got bookings well into April, because I think that shows how much many people want to get back to going to yeah. and supporting the pub. Right. But you don't have to. Pubs are operating different policies. So do contact them. Many pubs can't open till May, and some not till June if they're smaller pubs and can't operate with table service. So mm. do check with your local publican. But we're not out of the, the woods yet by any means in terms of the situation for pubs. But as I say, pubs and publicans will continue to operate safely, will continue to do sensible things like encouraging social distancing, um, but they don't need extra measures that don't frankly have um, a, a basis in, in, in scientific evidence. And they just need to be allowed to get on, open safely and sensibly, to be allowed to start trading again. And forgive me for repeating it, but what about, the, will, the, will the toilets be open inside? Because that will be, for me, quite an interesting development in a way, because that effectively means you're allowing people inside. So if you're allowing people inside, why can't they go inside and sit down? 
Well, yes, and, and we, before the announcement, we very clearly said that we oppose the idea of outdoors only opening. Again, we don't believe that this, um, again, has been looked at properly or mm. that it has a, a basis in, in, in science. Um, people will, of course, have to go inside to to use the the toilets, yeah. and it would it would be a serious issue if they didn't. And goodness knows what sort of issues that would cause in other areas. But yes, that of course then does cause an issue. We believe that pubs showed last year showed practically that they could open sensibly and safely with signage and one way systems. And we believe that would be the sensible thing to do now from from may from the same time as non-essential retail is allowed to open but the government decided to do it in these little steps to keep imposing certain things to make it more challenging and then they come out with another announcement which um, really has put many publicans in turmoil and you know we really hope that this silly idea gets kicked into the long grass and that we focus instead on getting vaccination levels up and then really look forward to what the prime minister promised us mm. a few months ago that that would finally enable us to get back to some sort of normal life. Surely that has to be the aim for, for pubs, for shops, um, for, for everything. And then we can actually get back to some sort of, of normality, yes. having together, you know, work to, to tackle this pandemic. And publicans have been part of that. Exactly. Well, I, I, I can't believe that they won't do that and they don't want to do it. But all those messages and the sort of uh, uh, the, the mood music coming out of Downing Street would suggest that I'm not even certain they're going to stick to what they've said they're going to do because they've already moved on uh, foreign holidays. They've already moved on, um, you know, leaving the country on May the 17th. I'm terribly concerned now that they might suddenly go, well, do you know, we said April the 12th, but we're not so sure if we're ready. Well, of course, you know, as we've been pointing out all along, it was never a definite date. Now, we, we hope that we're on course and we will need to get some clear announcements from from the government that we are on course because there's huge efforts going in. There are, you know, shelters and, and marquees being put up um, to allow lots of pubs to open that wouldn't otherwise be able to do so. And, of course, when you when it comes to ordering beer, brewers need at least three weeks' notice to be to be brewing beer. Uh, and pubs need, of course, to, to get the beer and get the stock, have it settling and ready for their customers. Yes. So uh, the, the, the government have made lots of snap decisions, which doesn't, you know, shows that they don't understand that. There's been huge uh, amounts of beer poured away. Many of our small brewers around the country um, had a, a campaign protest um, on, uh, you know, the, the amount that they've had to pour down the mm. drain without any compensation. So these things have knock-on effects. And we just need some certainty. We need to know that these dates, or certainly the first date, is okay, that we can get there. On the levels of vaccination, that should be the case. Schools don't seem to have caused a huge problem, although, of course, they were always going to have some impact. Right. But we need certainty. We need certainty. And we need, you know, the, the Prime Minister's talked about this roadmap and how important it is. Well, we need them now to stick to it and, and without backtracking. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And as far as your uh, members are concerned, Greg, I mean, how many of them have kind of just disappeared now off the face of uh, uh, of the business and never to reopen? Because I think this figure from last year I heard was something like 6,000 pubs have closed never to reopen. Um, what are you thinking is going to be the case this year? Well, the, the reality is quite tricky because you have lots of pub businesses who are in huge amounts of debt mm. but there's been a moratorium a very essential moratorium on evictions of those businesses and that includes shops as well as pubs so you know that the worry is once that moratorium comes to an end that uh, you could see mass evictions of, of, of pub businesses mm. so you know it's a very very 
worrying time. And as I say, I don't think people realise, the government certainly doesn't seem to realise the level of debt that many publicans were in. I was speaking to a, a licensee last week, and they're in £90,000 yeah. of debt um, because of the loss of trade and the ongoing bills. The government grants have been very welcome, but they, they don't really touch the sides for, for many pubs when it comes to rent and mm. ongoing costs. So it will take several years. It will take years for some of these pubs and publicans to trade their way back. And that's if trade is normal. That's yes. if people have the confidence. And when you get silly announcements like the one last night about, you know, pub landlords being the ones who should decide whether they have vaccine passports, I think that can knock confidence for people. And they might just think, well, I, oh, that reminds me that there's a, there's a danger and I therefore won't go to the pub. And that kind of... That kind of talk, I'm afraid, is really unhelpful mm. and can be further damaging to the the need to get pubs back and trading properly and safely again. No, of course, because you can't expect people to repay that kind of money in one fell swoop. It might be that the government needs to somehow set up a plan whereby, you know, they roll out some more loans or something while, while that payment is made in some way. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, of course, one of the things is, and, and this is actually a... a powerful reminder of how the government didn't think this would go on as long the bounce back loans that many pubs and other businesses took last year are essential for getting through they're, you know they're, they're due for payment uh, in, in a matter of a couple of months time um, and of course people are not trading normally again so that needs a rethink you know people can't be paying bounce back loans mm. until they've actually bounced back and realistically for many pubs that will be well into next year, potentially even two or three years down the line, when they've finally ab been able to get back the kind of normal trade mm. that they need to, to to get through. So yes, the government does need to to look at that. Look at the forthcoming bills for things like VAT. We need deferments of that kind of thing. So yes, there needs to be a plan to allow pubs and indeed other businesses to be able to trade and get back to some sort of normality over the next two, three, four, even five years. Mm. Greg, thanks very much indeed for talking to us. Greg Walhollander, Director of the Campaign for Pubs. Now, some people earlier on were saying to me, you know, this is all just spin. It's just the papers, the media telling people that this is what's going to happen. Is it just some form of deflection? Uh, I've got this one uh, from somebody who doesn't give a name saying, you know, do you think the PM dropped the pub vaccination passport thing so people wouldn't be talking about the extended powers? No, I don't actually think that. But the point is this, you know, if somebody like Greg Walhollander is taking it very seriously and he's worried about it, then clearly it is something to worry about. Nick in Winchester says, while of course some of these absurd restrictions, pub vaccine passports and the like, are completely and utterly absurd, as have been most of the restrictions we are under, should we not be concentrating on ensuring that the release on the 21st of June is indeed a release from all restrictions, no compulsory masks, social distancing, etc., and more importantly, crowds allowed back to sports events and weddings and other events. If we could all concentrate on this real opening up of the country, then at least we all have something to look forward to. I take your point, Nick, and I see that that uh, is something worth looking forward to. However, the trouble that I have now with everything the government says is that every time they set a deadline every time they say well when we get to this place everything will be better then they get close to that place and they go do you know what we're not quite ready we're just going to have to push it a little bit further back we're going to have to push it a little bit further along three weeks to break uh the, the to, to, to break the curve to flatten the curve you know then we'll all be back to normal that's what they told us a year ago uh, it's now a year on and we're still being told that we cannot do anything despite the facts that we've got the vaccine, despite the fact that we've got uh, an ability to now see the reduction in cases, the reduction in deaths, the reduction in infections. We can see all that, and yet we are still where we are. 
pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.